Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Good morning, Valley Point. My name is Ben, and I would like to share some further information with you about an upcoming addition to our Sunday morning experience. Well, last week, Pastor Eric shared an announcement about an exciting opportunity for Valley Point. As we continue to plan and prepare for our future, we have identified a way to provide more worship space during our 10 a.m. worship gathering. We are introducing an alternative gathering space. Welcome to any who would like to experience our gathering in a smaller, more intimate location. We will host this gathering in our office building to serve as a comfortable environment for people to engage in our Sunday morning worship experience. We are calling this our chapel gathering. This gathering will be a video venue hosted in our office building. It will be a live broadcast of everything that is happening in our main building at our 10 a.m. worship gathering. We will host the chapel gathering with a full first impressions team. And of course, coffee is still provided. One of our pastors, myself included, will be in attendance and available if we can pray with you or if we can serve you in any way. This venue serves as a part of our long-term master plan, creating additional space to accommodate our current growth at our prime worship hour. This space can provide a large, more comfortable and safer option than what our lobby can accommodate being used as a simple overflow area. Our chapel gathering is more than just an overflow area, and it's more than a punishment for being late to church. It is an additional worship environment that you can choose to enjoy. Providing comfortable and beautiful screen viewing, you can engage and you can worship and you can experience Valley Point Church. If you have kids, drop them off as usual and then join us in the office building you will still see your child's check-in number if they need your assistance. We are most excited as this environment provides new leadership and volunteer opportunities. Our chapel gathering provides us with more comfortable seating for people to find a real relationship with God. I look forward to serving you. This will all launch at 10 a.m. on Sunday, October 20th. We'll see you there. Hello, Valley Point Church. It is good to see you, and I want to thank you for coming out this morning. I also want to welcome all those who may be watching online. Thank you for joining us today as well. Reflections and reveries. This is our theme for September, and we launched all of this last week, and we had a great time asking and attempting to answer the question, what kind of church is Valley Point. Well, one of the things we talked about last week is the value of connecting. And this is part of what we encourage here and part of what we want for all of us is that we would actually connect with each other, not just attend church, but to be a part of church by connecting with other people. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. I would encourage you to consider being part of a small group. We have all kinds of groups here at Valley Point that meet 
in different locations and at different times, and this is an opportunity for you to connect with other people, to be known and loved, and to link arms with others, and you can find all of the information about groups out in the lobby today, and I would encourage you to pursue that. Another way you can connect is through our safety training, which will occur this Saturday right here at Valley Point Church in conjunction with the district attorney's office. We host this event, and we believe it is something very important that produces safe and conscious citizens, which is great for all of us. And we get the chance to connect with other people on a Saturday. There's also opportunity at this particular event to talk about joining our safety team. And so just another way to connect All of that information is out in the lobby, and I would encourage you to pursue connecting because that's really important for all of us. Okay, reflections and reveries. Today, I'd like to take a little bit of time and reflect on the life of Jesus and his activities And we're going to exclusively focus in on Mark's gospel as we do that today. And I'll talk to you about why Mark's gospel in just a few moments. So we want to reflect a little bit on the activity of Jesus as historically recorded for us. And then there's the reverie part or looking into the future. And here's how I would like to approach that. I want to take the information, the content we get from Mark's gospel about what Jesus said and what he did, how he interacted with people, how he served, and think about how we need to, as followers of Jesus, be using that in our lives, not just today, but tomorrow and well into the future where we live, work, and play. Reflections and reveries. We're going to reflect on the life of Jesus, and then we're going to talk about the future a little bit and how all of this fits together. I want you to think about faith for a moment. Specifically, I want you to think about your faith. And here's a question for you as you consider your faith. Have you ever questioned what you believe? Have you ever questioned your faith or doubted? Like, what if this whole Jesus thing isn't real? What if what I have been standing on is not really a true thing? What does that mean for me, and what do I do with all of this? Have you ever felt shaky in your faith? Well, your questions and fears, no doubt, are real. And I'm glad that you're here today. If you feel a bit shaky in your faith, I hope to address some of that. So again, really glad that you're here. Now, maybe you are present today and you would say, I'm confident in my faith. And all of my questions and doubts about Christian assumptions have only driven me into a deeper friendship with Jesus. So we have these two extremes people who may question their faith and may find themselves to be a bit shaky, or those who would say, I am confident and I am sure and my friendship with God is very deep. If you feel confident in your faith, that's great. 
I'm glad that you're here. And one of the things I love about our faith community is that we welcome all of these individuals. Those with no faith at all, seeking, questioning, trying to figure it all out and what that means for them. People who are confident in their faith and everybody in between. And I think that makes this a fun place. Perhaps you've walked through some hardships in life that at some point have caused you to say, Jesus, I I, I can't do it. I can't do it. He seems to have come through for other people, but he hasn't come through for me. He hasn't made himself real for me. He hasn't answered my requests. Again, seems to be doing that for other people, and that's great, but I just can't continue with this. I'm just not sure. Others walk through hardships in life, and it seems to do the exact opposite. It almost pushes them into a closer and a dynamic friendship with Jesus as a result of what they experience. Look, we all have a different faith story, but we all have a story. And everybody's story is unique, and everybody's story should be respected. No matter where we are on this faith journey, whether we're shaky and unsure or whether we're very confident. So as you think about faith, if you have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, how do you shape your faith? How is that formed in you? And how can wherever you are today, whether shaky or confident, how can you take another step and get closer to Jesus? How does that actually happen? And this is what we want to wrestle with today. How do we take another step? How do we allow allow our faith to be formed in such a way that we are growing deeper and deeper in love with Jesus? It seems the best way to walk through this, I think, is to look at the life of Jesus himself. And what did he say? And what did he do? Because when we investigate that, I think we get a lot of clues as to how we should allow our faith to be formed. So whether we're unsure, I think there's something to be learned from the life of Jesus that will give us more confidence in our faith. If we are very confident, I think there is still something to learn from the life of Jesus that allows us to go another step in loving him and in serving him. So let's reflect on the life of Jesus. Can we do that today? Shake your head because we're gonna do it anyway, all right? We're gonna reflect on the life of Jesus and then we'll step into some reverie regarding how do we use all of this to allow our faith to be formed. If you have a Bible or a device, I would love for you to find Mark's Gospel. Mark is a New Testament book. Probably the best way to find Mark is to open up your Bible to the first New Testament book, which is Matthew. If you keep turning to the right, eventually you will find the book of Mark. And we're going to begin in chapter one. And then I'm gonna read a bunch of different verses today as we reflect on the life of Jesus. While you're finding Mark's gospel, here's what we need to know about Mark. Mark is a historical book. He writes about the life of Jesus, 
along with some other individuals, Matthew and Luke and John, we call these the four gospels. They talk about Jesus and what he said and what he did. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Have you ever wondered why are there four gospels? Because they seem to share a lot of the same information, a lot of the same stories about Jesus and where he went as he traveled and his life. They have a lot of the same stories. It seems like these authors could have coalesced together at some point to package one book that seamlessly shares the story. Why are there four gospels that have a lot of the same content? Well, the reason there are four gospels is because each writer presents Jesus in a different way so that we can gain new perspective on Jesus and how he relates to us. So each writer has a different purpose. Consider, Matthew presents Jesus as king. Mark presents Jesus as a servant. Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man and emphasizes his humanity. And then John presents Jesus as the son of God. So they all have a different angle in how they share Jesus with us so that we can gain perspectives on how Jesus wants to interact with us. Matthew, Jesus as king. Mark, Jesus as servant. Luke, Jesus as the perfect son of man. And John as the son of God. We're going to hang out today exclusively in Mark's gospel because I think it is absolutely extraordinary that he presents Jesus as this wonderful servant who came on purpose and for a purpose that benefits all of us. So let's just think a little bit about Mark's gospel and Jesus being presented as a servant. We find these beautiful words in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you like to circle and highlight in your Bible, which I would encourage you to do, you should really highlight that verse because it gives us this amazing perspective on Jesus. Here he is, the son of God. He's deity, but he didn't come to be served, which he could have as God, but he didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom, not for just a few people, which is great news for all of us. He came to give his life as a ransom for all. So here's what I want to do. I want to walk through a brief survey of Mark's gospel. I took about nine months to walk through the book of Mark, and I just began to read and highlighted all kinds of different things. I picked up on patterns, and I want to share a little bit of that with you now. Don't let that frighten you. I'm not going to give you nine months worth of content. We're going to give just an overview. It is not an extensive overview, okay? There is so much more that we could do in terms of looking at the gospel of Mark and how Jesus is presented as a servant, and we reflect on that, and what does that mean for our lives? We could spend a lot of time on this. I'm going to give a quick flyby 
of Mark's gospel and pull out some themes. Does that make sense? Okay, first, let's begin with a big idea. Are you ready? Take out your talk notes. Let's fill in some blanks here. There is much to learn from the empathetic, humble, and sacrificial life of Jesus. And Mark just lays it out there for us. There's so much to learn from the empathetic, humble, and sacrificial life of Jesus. So that begs the question, what is it that we learn from his life, and how can that form our faith today no matter how we feel? I want to share six thoughts, six themes that fall out of the book of Mark. Here we go. Number one, Jesus took time to pray. It's very noteworthy. Jesus, son of God, yet he carved out time in his schedule to talk to his father. Mark chapter one, verse 35 says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Now, sometimes you can read over that, and, you know, of course, he's Jesus, he's praying, but it's a remarkable thing to consider that Jesus, he has a lot to do. (laughs) He's got a really big agenda to come to earth, not to be served, but to serve and to die and pay for the sins of the world. He's got a really big job to do, yet in the midst of accomplishing that task, we see him right away, at least in Mark's gospel, before daybreak, he's getting up and he's setting aside time so that he can talk to his father. There is a great pattern here for us, and I believe we're going to see this over and over again a couple of different times. Jesus took time to pray, very noteworthy. Number two, Jesus focused on bringing hope to outsiders, which is good news for us because we're technically outsiders. And he focused on bringing hope to outsiders. In Mark chapter 2, we drop into a story where Jesus is sharing a meal with some individuals. And here's what it says, starting in verse 15. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. (laughs) Now, I think scripture can be funny sometimes. That's a funny phrase to me. Like, these people have a reputation for sinning. They're really good at it. And here's Jesus. He's having this meal, and the religious people are like, what? Jesus is hanging out with these people who have a reputation. They are good at sinning. And here's the commentary. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. That should encourage all of us because if we have a reputation for sin, I believe Jesus would love to share a meal with us. He's doing it here. Verse 16, though the religious rite the smart people, the ones who knew all the answers. They didn't like this, though. When the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, 
why does he eat with such scum? Well, that was enough for Jesus. He didn't like that. So when he heard what they said, he told them, listen, here's the deal. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus, for the marginalized, for the individuals who everybody else pushed to the side, the religious people had no use for these disreputable sinners, but here's Jesus spending time with outsiders. If you feel outside the world of religion, welcome to Jesus and what he offers to you. He gives hope to those on the outside. Okay, number three, here it is. Jesus took time to pray. How about that? There's a pattern here. Mark chapter six, verse 46 says, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Again, we have Jesus carving out time to just be alone, to be quiet, and to have some conversations with his father after he told everybody goodbye. He goes up to the hills to pray. In Mark chapter 6, here's some context. Jesus just fed thousands of people with just a few food items. He performed a miracle. And after the administration of that meal, after all of the logistics, after everything that needed to happen for that miracle to be a success, we find Jesus getting alone by himself, spending some time in conversation with his father. There is a distinct pattern here. Jesus, the son of God, he took time to pray. It was really important to him. What else? Number four, Jesus was willing to be interrupted. His busy schedule, he was willing to let that be disturbed. Mark chapter 10 Here's another story that we're going to drop into. Jesus is traveling. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's walking through a village area. And here's verse 47. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, Bartimaeus, is a, he's a blind man, and he hears, Jesus is in town. He's here. So he began to shout, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but that only caused him to shout louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. He's thinking, this is my shot. Like, I've, I've got to do something because the one who can potentially change my life situation, he's right here. Verse 49 says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up. They said, come on, he's calling you, which I find to be kind of funny because just a few sentences before that, they're telling him to be quiet. Hey, pipe down, pipe down, Bartimaeus. And then Jesus actually calls for him and other excited like, you know, I don't know, today is your day, Bart, perhaps, come on. 
let's keep moving here. So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, a really significant statement, because as a blind man, that would have represented his whole life. That's all he had. He was a beggar. So he gives up everything. He jumps up and he comes to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, my teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. Now here's the significance of Jesus being interrupted to spend some time with Bartimaeus. The very next chapter, we find Jesus stepping into what scholars call the triumphal entry. We know it as Palm Sunday, where he rides triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem. The crowds are adoring him because they think he might be able to rescue them from Roman oppression, and they're laying down palm branches to welcome him. But we do know in a few short days that adoring crowd turned into a mob, and they took Jesus and they killed him. So a few short days before that, with the weight of the sins of the world bearing down on Jesus, he knows what's coming, he knows where he's going, yet he takes time out of his busy schedule and with everything going on in his mind to look at Bartimaeus and say, what is it that you want me to do for you? Oh, Rabbi, teacher, I want to see I want to see, and Jesus took care of that. He was willing to allow his schedule to be interrupted. Number five, Jesus took time to fill in the blank for me. Pray. What's unique about this situation is that Jesus, in his own time of great need, took time to pray. We see this in Mark chapter 14, this is a very moving passage. Jesus is about to be arrested and beaten and killed. And boy, he's sensing all of this. Jesus was the son of God, but he was also human. And here's where we really see this. And he's praying in the midst of it. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Is Jesus here? He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. And then Jesus went on a little farther and fell to the ground And he prayed. He prayed. Seems that we often fall into this pattern when our souls are distressed, maybe to the point of death, that we often cry out in prayer. And guess what? That's okay. That's okay. That's good. Even Jesus did that. Jesus, in his own time of need, again, He took time to pray. One final thought, and that is Jesus restored others 
even those who disappointed him. And maybe we could say, especially those who disappointed him. Here's Mark chapter 16. We find that Jesus has been killed. He has risen from the grave. He is about to return to heaven, but he meets up with those followers once again, and he restores them. But yet we do pick up on in the text here that he's disappointed with them. Verse 14, still later he, Jesus, appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together and he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. So he's disappointed with them like, you guys knew about this. I talked to you about how I would come and I would pay for the sins of the world and that I would rise again. I told you about this, yet you doubted. And who can blame them? It's not every day you see a dead person come back to life, so you can kind of understand how they feel, but Jesus is just acknowledging the truth here. He rebukes them, but then guess what happens? He says here in verse 15, and then he told them, go into all the world. So he's disappointed. He rebukes them, now go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them. The one who was disappointed, the one who rebuked, yet he worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Jesus disappointed yet he restores and sends them out. Let me ask, have you ever felt like you've disappointed Jesus? Ever felt that way? There's hope for all of us because while Jesus may be disappointed with our actions or behavior or thoughts, he is so willing to restore so ready to do that and to pick us up and send us out and accomplish great things through us. So if you are feeling like you have let Jesus down at some point, please have hope. Jesus restores even those, especially those who disappoint him. That's the reflection part. Let's get to the reverie part where we take what Mark has presented about Jesus being a servant. And let's think about how we can use this in our lives. Three takeaways. I'm presenting them all as questions. So let's keep thinking a little bit. Number one, if Jesus prayed, should I? Again and again, we discovered Jesus took time out of the schedule to talk to his father in heaven Again, Jesus, deity, son of God, but yet he's still taking time to pray. If Jesus did that, should I? Should we? I think we all know the answer to that. It's fairly obvious, but yet I am ashamed of my own life and how often I am too busy to pray. 
kind of running around, getting things done, even getting things done for Jesus, and there's no time to just be alone. I can't carve that out of the schedule because there are other things that are happening. I think we have to go back to this and say, if we want our faith to be formed, if we want to take another step spiritually and fall deeper in love with Jesus, he prayed, he spent a lot of time doing that. If Jesus prayed, I probably should as well. It's a great idea. Now, I know prayer can be a difficult thing. What do you say? You're talking to somebody who's not really there, but yet they are. And so what does that mean? I would just encourage you, in your unscripted and imperfect ways, just talk to God. Let him know about your hopes and your dreams. Ask him for some things. And ask him to use you everywhere you go to be a bright light. Just talk to him as you would anybody else. And if you're unsure of what to do, then you might want to consider praying some of the Psalms. Psalms is a book in the middle of the Bible, and so many of these words are heartfelt, compassionate cries out for God. Like, will you rescue me? And will you help me? Will you show up for me? And so if you're not sure what to pray, Pray some of the prayers that other people have already offered up, and I think God will meet you in that place. Jesus prayed. I think we need to be doing the same thing. Second question, am I willing to be interrupted to serve others? Am I willing to inconvenience myself to rescue and to serve other people. I think this one is tough because again, who has time for this? When you think about serving other people, it often takes an inordinate amount of time. You gotta get in the weeds with them and it's very inconvenient and never comes at a convenient time. And I think that's just the point. Think about Jesus and Bartimaeus. On his way to Jerusalem to die, And yet he looks out and rescues an individual who needed him. Am I willing to allow myself to be interrupted to serve other people? I have shared this before. Speed kills. And often we are moving so quickly through life. Busy agendas and schedules. And we don't have time to be interrupted because we're so busy. And speed kills. It kills in relationships. I think it kills in our friendship with God as well and our ability to rescue and help other people. So maybe the greatest thing we can do is to create margin in our lives to be able to be interrupted. Maybe that would be a great thing for all of us. Am I willing to inconvenience myself to serve other people? And then the final question, am I restoring others through winsome love? Because that's what Jesus did. Am I restoring others through winsome love? Does my life lift other people up? Or am I hoping somebody else will take care of that? Do I make room for others? And then do I allow them to flourish in that space? Or not? Winsome love. Author Ed Stetzer 
says it this way, winsome love then not only rejects disgust in favor of empathy, it trades pride for humility. It looks to the example of Jesus, the servant, as we have been doing today. It does not seek to show others up. It is patient in Christ-compelled forbearance and aims to make disciples of Jesus. Addressing our prideful arrogance is critical if we are to express empathetic, humble love. And guess what? That love is winsome. And not only is it winsome, it also honors the image of God in every person. And that's Jesus. And that's what we discover as we reflect on his life and how we can allow our faith to be formed by giving out the type of love that Jesus gave, a love that is indeed winsome. Back to the big idea. There is so much to learn from the empathetic, humble, and sacrificial life of Jesus. May God give us the strength now to take what we have reflected upon from Mark's presentation of Jesus and use that in our lives today and tomorrow and into the future. Father, we are so grateful for a time on this Sunday to reflect, to think about the life of Jesus. We talk about him quite a bit here, but it's always good to go back and remember some basic things about what Jesus said and what he did and what that means for us and how we can take all of that and form faith today. And whether it's shaky or whether it's strong, to just take another step and to keep building our faith story. So God, help us all to take whatever it is that we need to take from this and implement it in our lives. God, my confession to you is I don't always act like Jesus. I fail in so many ways. and So what Mark has presented is a challenge for me to line my life up and live like Christ, knowing that will help impact my world in greater ways. God, I pray that for everyone here that you would help them to make the same choice, the same confession, and that we would choose to take these questions, to keep asking them throughout the week, to help shape us as we reflect, but also think about what Jesus wants for me today and tomorrow. Give us the strength to do that now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.